0: It seems that every second conversation that I've been having lately uh, relates to hearing the voice of God, revelation, uh, the mix of revelation and wisdom, and the discernment of uh, what is God and and how do we move forward with uh, the desires that He has for each one of our lives. So uh, I was actually having that conversation, one of them, um, with big Rob Krieg not so long ago and um, in the mix of things he just happened to send me uh, a couple of audios from Neil Gamble. Now for those of you who don't know Neil, uh, he's been quite instrumental in uh, the faith walk and lives uh, and foundation of many of us who are walking, seeking to walk with God um, in, uh, in a simple expression of church. And uh, when, I, when I listened to these um, uh, audios that Big Rob sent through of Neil Gamble, I thought, you know, it's, it's just great to be reminded of the scriptural basis we have for our um, belief and, and conviction that Jesus speaks to each one of us and uh, to have those reflections in order to uh, assist us and, and grow us in our understanding because, you know, um, understanding enables us to make uh, wise decisions. Uh, and it turns out that Neil's kind of got four of these uh, that he's put together, and he sits on his back porch, I think, every uh, every morning or, or when he feels led, and uh, does a fifteen minute uh, kind of exposition, if you like, on some of the thoughts and the and uh, the convictions that he has in regard to all this. So I thought it'd be valuable if uh, instead of listening to my voice and Peter's voice, that you maybe uh, take a bit of a left turn and listen to Neil's voice um, over the next uh, four episodes. And uh, if you happen to be listening to the next episodes and um, Um, you know, you know someone that might find value with them, probably come back to this one just to give them a little bit of context. So I trust that as you listen, you find some, um, some real value in being led so that wherever you are, other people are made aware of the love that our Heavenly Father has for them.
1: So today I want to talk about three scriptures. I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. This is a scripture about ask, seek, and knock. Um, we, we know it. We quote it all the time, and we teach people about prayer, and yet for most of us, we have behind our, our teaching them this scripture the reality that, well, God doesn't always speak and answer to our prayers. Even though we teach that he will, we tell people, well, it may be several months, or, you know, you've got to trust God when he doesn't answer you. And in reality, the scripture says that when we ask, we should receive some kind of answer. So uh, knowing where we were at, God laid this scripture out. And uh, after he tells us to ask, seek, and knock, then he lays out this little scenario and he says... uh, if your son asks for a piece of bread, would you give him a stone? If your son asks for a fish, would you give him a scorpion or serpent? And uh, how much more then will your heavenly Father give gift, gifts to those who ask him? So in this, in this scenario of these scriptures, God is making a statement to us, and it's a pretty strong one actually. So my son comes to me, and he's four years old or three years old, and uh, he asked me for a piece of bread. And the first thing I do is I go outside and I find this stone that's just the right size, and I wrap the bread around it, and I give it to him. So he breaks his teeth or swallows it and chokes. That's just a nasty thought, isn't it? That is a scenario that is a nightmare of every parent, is to have someone like that around. And what father would uh, let that happen? Second scenario is that he asked for fish. And so you say, excuse me, just a moment, son. And you go outside and you find some poisonous snake or poisonous scorpion. And you bring that in for him to play with. it's It's a ludicrous idea that we as people would do that. And yet, uh, God says, if you then, being evil, carnal, or man, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those that ask? That is a profound statement in here. God is saying to us that if you ask me for a piece of bread, I am not going to go out and get the devil and bring him in and say, okay, Satan, you answer my son's request. What would you give him? No, that, that's just, that's crazy. So in both of those statements about what we, you know, the, the ludicrousness of bringing something evil and giving it to our kids in response to a question, God is saying, do you really think that I, as a better parent than you, would... Have the devil answer your prayers. Do you really think that I would let the devil speak to you first? See, there's there's an incredible statement here. You need to pick up on this. God is telling us that when we ask him in prayer for something, he has to be the first one to answer us. If he lets the devil answer us, if he brings the enemy in or allows others who don't hear from God to answer our question that we have posed to him, prayer, then he's an evil dad. That has got to just make him so mad that we would think that God would do that. So... In this statement that he has has laid out here in the midst of this teaching on prayer, he is saying that if you ask me for something, I am going to be the one who answers you. I'm not gonna bring the devil in. I'm not gonna let him be the first one to speak. I will be the one that speaks. Now, scenario, my son comes and he asks me, can I have an ice cream cone? I don't just turn and walk away. In silence and two weeks later come back and say okay son we can go have an ice cream cone by that time he's already thinking of a a different thing he wants a bicycle or uh, he wants a pair of skates but he has forgot about the ice cream cone in two weeks because kids don't retain stuff the other thing that has happened if this is a continuous thing in my life is he quit asking me questions because he knows I'm not going to answer him because I walk away in silence So that's kind of a crazy thought that God would walk away in silence and leave us. The second scenario in this is that the son asked me for an ice cream cone and I kneel down and tell him, son, I just spent all my money on bills and I don't have anything left right now, but I get paid in two weeks. And when I get paid, the first thing that's gonna happen is we're gonna go have an ice cream cone. Now, That the mother of that child is the next two weeks is going to be filled with when did daddy get paid? Daddy, did daddy get paid today? Because that son is living in anticipation of the answer to his prayer. Why? Because the father spoke to him when he prayed. Dad, can I have an ice cream cone? And right there, the father spoke to him and said, son, you're going to have to wait. I don't have any money, but when I get some money, we're going to go and get your ice cream cone. So there's a real lesson in this statement. When God hears our prayer, he answers us. He has to be the first one to speak. So a thought, a impression, a picture, a word is coming from God. Now, the the, the, the opposite side of this equation is, is that God... Can, is the creator, and man is creator, but Satan can create nothing. Satan can't even create an answer for your prayer. Satan has no creative power. Demonic beings do not have the power to create. They can only copy, twist, manipulate. They cannot create. So here, here we go. That statement that I've just made says something that first, the first voice, the first thought, the first thing that comes to your mind when you're praying has to be an answer from God. It may not be the answer, but it's going to be an answer. So, the truth always has to come before a lie. A lie or a fear or a doubt cannot exist until first there is a truth. You need to really think about this. This this is an incredible statement of reality. A lie or a fear or a doubt cannot exist until there is something to lie about, fear, or doubt. So the truth has to come first. In any type of conversation with God, if you're asking him a question... The first communications has to come from God. Mm -hmm. Then the enemy can twist it, add to it, move it, change it, um, do all of the things that he's notorious for doing. But first, God has to speak. Most people, when I tell them that, they're going, no, that's just crazy. And when we try and practice it, they go, no, I don't hear anything. But the reality is, is before we finish for three or four hours of, of, well, two or three hours of uh, participation in this where we really pray for one another, they find that God does speak to them the moment they ask, that God is giving them something, that there's a color, a picture, a thought, a word that comes, but they're afraid of it because they've been taught to bypass the very voice of God. So I'm going to repeat this again. No lie. No lie. No fear, no doubt can come before truth. No deception, no distraction, no division can come before truth. The truth has to exist before those things can come. If if you get a hold of this, you'll find yourself responding in intimacy. When you ask God a question, you'll find yourself responding with the voice of God. You'll find yourself speaking what God speaks because it's there. Every person I've ever encountered, it's there. They, they'll deny it adamantly for a period of time, but as we sit and walk through it and, and do different things to show them that it's true, they do hear from God, we find that it, that's exactly the case. But it's learning how to stop going past what we have always considered our imagination or our vain thinking and backing up to the first thing we hear, the first thing that happens, the first picture we see. Now once those happen, the enemy comes in right behind it and changes it, adds to it, uh, manipulates it, uh, gives you an interpretation of it, which is really interesting. A lot of people will when they pray over people, they give the interpretation of what they received instead of what they received because they're sure that's what they're supposed to do. And the interpretation is from their point of view. It's not from the person that you're praying for or speaking to. It's not from them. It's from you. And you're, you're not the one who's receiving this. You pray for someone The thing that you get is for them. They will understand it. They will know what it means. They will be able to give an interpretation to it. 90 times out of 100, that's the case. And and those other 10%, uh, I find that if I just give them a little bit of time, they will know what God said. Because God doesn't speak to mock us. God doesn't do things to belittle his children or to hold back from them. He's a God of truth, and he's a God of love, and he's a God of purpose, and he has purpose. So we need to we need to rehash this until you figure it out in your heads that if you ask God a question, he answers you when you ask. He's the first one who speaks. He may even speak before you actually ask the question, and then you're asking a question because you want a different answer. Or... Many times what people do is they hear God, but they don't want to hear that. And so they're looking for something specific that they want, and they don't quit until they hear the answer they want, rather than receive the answer that God gives. I think a lot of times uh, that is huge when it comes to healing or to the miracles and signs and wonders following, is that people don't like God's answer. So then they will continue praying until they hear what they want to hear. God speaks, God gives them an answer, but they don't like it. It doesn't fit with them. It's not comfortable. It it doesn't make sense. Uh, um, no, that I don't. That's that can't be God because that's not what I expect to be the answer. And that a lot of times kills the intimacy uh, conversation and it leads them astray. So. Um, I'm going to leave that scripture where it's at. You can go back and replay this a few times, but uh, that's a reality with God, and that's a reality of intimacy. And and, uh, in those things that we cast down are a lot of answers to people's prayers. They're very specific, just like what Jesus did when he walked the earth. So now let's go to another passage of scripture that we use a lot in prayer, and that's Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. In this scripture, Jesus comes to Caesarea Philippi and he asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the, disciple, and the disciples say, well, you're one of the prophets, basically. The people think you're a prophet because of the miracles and the things that you do. So then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers him and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' answer to him and the rest of that scripture is really important, you know, and he says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood could not have revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, that statement in itself is huge. And uh, he's telling telling Peter and the crew that, wow, for you to know that I am the Christ— you had to have heard this from my father. In other words, you had to hear the voice of my father because flesh and blood could not have shown you. What I've done and what I have portrayed to you could not have shown you that I'm the son of God because the prophets did these things. It's very much in line with what the prophets did. So what the people saw in the flesh was what, Peter and John would have came to that conclusion unless they heard from the Father. The next thing Jesus says to him is that upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And uh, there, there's a, there's a re- reality that the revelation is not just knowing that Jesus is Lord, But it's it's hearing from the Father and knowing that Jesus is Lord. We have we have taken that scripture and we've go oh, knowing that Jesus is Lord, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Uh, Yet we see the church constantly um, not prevailing against Jesus, not prevailing against the enemy. They know that Jesus is Lord, but they aren't hearing from the Father and that that's a real key in this and when you read it and you think about it it's there you know he's saying blessed are you Simon Barjona because you had to have heard this from my father so it wasn't just that he knows that Jesus is Lord it's that he heard from the father and knows that the Jesus is Lord and Jesus says that the church that hears from the father and knows that Jesus is Lord the gates of hell shall not prevail against not just the one that knows that Jesus is Lord. We're we're seeing churches close all the time and, and that know Jesus is Lord. We see people walking away from church uh, in a continuous uh, uh, parade away from what has failed and what has not prevailed against the enemy because... We have not walked in intimacy. The the incredible reality of hearing from the Father and knowing that Jesus is Lord it is what caught, prevents Hades from prevailing against us. And then the rest of this scripture makes sense. I always had trouble with it. You know, It says, uh, then I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We were always taught that as I speak, then God is the God is uh, uh, bound in a sense to do whatever I speak, and that just never made sense to me because He's God. But when I put this in relationship to what I've just said, and 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 Jesus tells Peter, He says, "And I will give you." Well, the you is this church, this 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 people that know that Jesus is Lord and hear from the Father. And he says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind will be bound and whatever you loose will be loosed. So the reality of this is, is that people who are walking in intimacy with the Father aren't going to bind or loose unless they've heard from the Father. It's the same with the revelation. Uh, It's hearing from the Father and knowing that Jesus is Lord. So In this last part of it, where he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven come to those who are listening to the Father and know that Jesus is Lord. Not just those who know Jesus is Lord, but those who are willing to listen, willing to receive, willing to accept the truth that the Father speaks. These people will have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Why? Because you won't be speaking. You're about glorifying the God, Father, you're about doing the Father's will. And so you're not going to bind or loose on earth unless you've heard specifically from the Father. That's an incredible statement. And it changes everything, because instead of you going around and seeing evil and deciding, well, I'm going to bind that, and I'm going to loose this, and I'm going to bind that, and I'm going to loose this. And that's, that's, that is almost like casting strange fire in the Old Testament. You're going to get burned is what's going to happen. The things that uh, you may see some good come out of it, but you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven manifest through it because you're not listening. You're not under authority. Yeah, With this scripture, you have to remember also the the centurion story where Jesus comes and and the centurion tells him he's got this person sick in his house. And Jesus says, well, I'll come. And the centurion goes, "Uh, no, you don't need to. I also am a man under authority. And I say to this one, come and this one, go. And whatever I speak happens. And he was telling Jesus, I know that you're a man under authority. And that you will never speak or do anything unless, uh, unless you are directed to by your supreme authority, which we know is the Father. So he trusted Jesus because he was under authority. He acknowledged Jesus for who he was because he recognized that Jesus, the Savior, never operated in his own authority, but he operated under authority. This scripture goes along with that when he says that it, you hear from the Father and know that I'm Lord. When we put this all together, it makes perfect sense. Then Jesus called the centurion the he uh, the man of great fate because the centurion realized that Jesus didn't just go out and do whatever he wanted, but everything that Jesus did was by order, which is exactly what Jesus himself says. I do nothing unless the Father tells me. I don't speak anything unless the Father shows me or speaks to me or teaches me. So the, the, the reality then of Matthew 13 or 16, 13 through 19 is that the key is not just knowing that Jesus is Lord, but it's hearing from the Father. Then what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven because your directions are coming from heaven. Your directions are coming from the Father, and whatever you speak that the Father speaks, when I pray according to his will and specificness, then I know that those petitions I desire I have. So there is an incredible reality to the, this passage that we must recognize that the rock of revelation isn't just knowing that Jesus is Lord. The rock of revelation is hearing from the Father and knowing that Jesus is Lord. That's what prevails against the enemy, and that's the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And that's the church that when they bind something, it'll be bound, and when they lose something, it'll be loosed. The third scripture is the story of of Jesus uh, talking about the widow and the unjust judge. And I'm going to be very short on this one. Um, You know... uh, the widow is is constantly going to this judge with her petition and finally the unjust judge recognizes she's not going to quit so I just as well answer her because I don't want her to wake me up every day or come to me with this and God speaks really specifically and he says how much more will your heavenly father answer those who you know expediently answer those who are constantly hounding him for something now, we've t- been taught by this that we need to pound Jesus with our request. We need to pound heaven in a sense. We need to be repetitive. We need to be adamant that I'm not going to quit until you give me this. Well, okay, God says he'll speedily answer us. He'll, he'll give in to what we ask. He's a father. He's, he's not going to continue to say no when we're adamant about something. And yet the last statement in that scripture says, and yet... When the Son of Man returns, will he truly find faith on the earth? This whole scenario started out with men out always to pray and faint not. And it ends with, will he really find faith on the earth when he returns? And the end middle of that is what he doesn't want to find. He, he says that if people keep pounding me, I'm a good father and I'm going to give in to them. But it isn't the desire of his heart, he wants us to live in the place of trust. He wants us to live in a pace of faith. So again, trust and faith come and grow and are uh, founded on intimacy. They're founded on a relationship. If we are sent just like Jesus, then our trust and faith shows us that we don't really even pray the prayers we want. We have to listen to the Father and pray and speak what he says. So the whole scenario of Jesus and being sent like him doesn't mean that I'm always in authority and that whatever I do is going to happen. It means I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. I don't go anyplace unless the Father sends me. And and, uh, that reality changes all the rest of it. So then it brings an understanding to this statement, and that last statement makes sense, which everybody drops off because they don't understand it. But the reality of it is, in the past, we've had great revelations and people have uh, taught on the most of that scripture, but they leave off the last piece. They were good revelations, but they weren't the complete revelation. And now God's taken us further and he's showing us this stuff about intimacy. So then the rest of this prayer and the key to this prayer is, yep, God will answer you if you keep pounding on him. You may not like the answer, or the answer may not produce what you think it should, but God will do it because he loves you and you're his child. But what he really wants is us to trust him, us to come to the place of faith where we respond to him rather than dictate to him. And I'm going to leave that at that on that on this one. Uh, there's a lot more to these revelations, but this tape will just get way too long if I continue. Those three scriptures if you study them should show you a whole different attitude of prayer that Jesus had and what he desires us to have so um, in that I pray that uh, that you'll get revelation and illumination from the Father and it will also bring up a huge amount of other scriptures that I'm neglecting putting on here. Just one thing that has to happen that is we need to look at these scriptures from the point of and position of being sons sent just like Jesus. We've got to stop believing that uh, we are in all authority and remember that he is in all authority and we are in authority under him, in submission to him. And that will change the way we interpret scriptures. We we have to put them all together and run a thread through these. And I don't live in the Old Testament. I live in the new. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. God wants us to have a continuing revelation to finish this house that he, that the apostles and and Jesus uh, started with him being the cornerstone and them being the foundation. So in the midst of this, we must go further. We must find this place where we actually begin to walk like Jesus.